0: Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast.
1: A little idea of what it's like to be an impersonator.
0: It's tough. Usually for me, um, my buddy, uh, my good friend, his name is Sebastian. I was actually just talking to him on the phone before the show because He's my person. He, he does bodyguard. And he's also, I would have to say, like, I'm not good with money. So he manages things. But he's always the person I talk to before I go on interviews and different programs. I was on two programs in the UK. And I, you know he's one of those people that you talk those nerves because you're like, you know. But to impersonation is hard for me. Like, maybe an hour before the show is when I start slipping myself into the Elvis character because I don't want to be super arrogant either. And I've noticed with some of the other impersonators, they think they're the person they're portraying. And and that's always been my goal, not to be that person. So I try to slip into the character an hour before the show, just kind of get by myself for a little bit and get kind of like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Because it's it's really, I don't want to say it's difficult, but it's weird to me that, you know, because I'm Aaron all the rest of the time, but get into that mode and then go, okay, I'm going to be doing this show. You have to kind of zone it out. A lot of it for me, when I first started, I watched the movies. So that's the way it is. I watched interviews. I watched uh, the famous Aloha from Hawaii he did in 73 with the Eagle suit. Um, it was a lot of, a lot of mimicking, a lot of mimicking and a lot of practicing it, but you also don't want to practice it too much because then you tend to look fake like you're too into, you know, you're, you're doing everything. And then the, the audience doesn't buy that as much as if you put your own spin on the show as well. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Every week, Wisconsin Music Podcast will be bringing you great information on what's happening in the Wisconsin music world. hello
1: thanks dean hey everyone welcome to another episode of the wisconsin music podcast episode 29 with aaron smith aaron smith is a elvis impersonator and also a proactive voice for autism and asperger's i speak this week with aaron about being a elvis impersonator venues local scene attitude towards his craft and also As a person with Asperger's, Aaron talks about growing up with it. So let's get right into our conversation with Aaron. Aaron, welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. I appreciate you being on. Kind of give us an idea of how you grew up with music and how it led you to where you are today.
0: Sure. Uh, When I was probably, I want to say my earliest memory of music would be five and six. And my parents were, were very classic rock. I was very Elvis. My mom like the, kind of the oldies, so I would have to say watching a movie called with my parents called that's the way it is. Uh, it was an Elvis movie, and it was filmed at the International Hotel in Las Vegas in in the summer of I believe 1970. Watching that film with my parents, I, I would have to say stamped a little more of me wanting to to get into the the entertainment field and the impersonator field. I think it really I don't know what it was, but I got bit by the Elvis bug, and ever since you know. That five or six years old watching that movie, it was turned into this research mission of, of listening to different artists, people like Aretha Franklin, people like the fabulous, fabulous, bless her heart. She just passed away. Miss Mary Wilson. And I loved her, loved the Supremes, Elvis, Johnny Cash. But I started to have my mom and dad take me to see impersonators because I was really young. So I was kind of infatuated with this. Theory of Elvis and like watching them, and then you know I have autism and Asperger's. so in in, in my head I'm trying to not only I, I use it to my advantage of perfecting what I would say my craft, my Elvis eventually thing in the future. I was taking these little side notes of like because I knew I wanted to do this, I just didn't know there was a field for it at such a young age. I, I did not know you could do this, but I would have to say I did my first concert. It wasn't a professional dancer at a place called Charlie's Drive In in Hortonville, Wisconsin, when I was probably about eight or nine. And from then it just took off. Cause I just, you know, my parents are like, Aren't you nervous? He's a little kid. But them seeing that I knew how to work a room, I guess they're like, Okay, he's not going away from this. So because <laughs> so, people were like, Oh my God, he's so cute. I hated that because for me, <laughs> even at like eight years old, I'm still going. Darn it, I don't want to be cute. I want to be taken seriously as an artist portraying this guy. I don't want you to give me candy, although that doesn't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. But I'd have to say eight or nine is really when I started pushing myself going, you know, my parents are like, Aren't you gonna find a job or like you can't do yeah. My mom was very encouraging, but it was when I started going, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to be in Vegas someday. I want to put on the real costume, not just a Halloween thing.
1: Did you learn any instruments while you were growing up, or is it just working on your singing?
0: I didn't learn any instruments, I and I found out that Elvis faked the guitar in the 70s on stage, but I didn't learn any instruments. I was really working on getting my voice you know, lubricated and perfected, because obviously we all know this as artists, we think we sound great, but to the other room, it's like, no, you need to tweak this a little bit, uh, you know, fingernails on the chalkboard, you know, listen. So it was a lot of, I'd have to say, listening to myself and listening to recordings and working on the voice. The voice was a big one because that Elvis voice is so hard to get those different, uh what's the word, the, the bravado or that different, you know, it's, it's really a different octane because there's so many. He didn't really, his voice got richer as he got older. So the voice was, was my biggest one. And I didn't never would I have to say I've, would I have imagined that it would not only transcend, not only as myself as, as a younger Elvis tribute artist, but would it transcend as much as it has? And and generation wise, the relevancy that it still connects with young people today. It, it, for me, I never thought that people my age would come to see me sing and go, Oh my God, this guy's cool you know or get new people interested in Elvis's music.
1: Right, right. So, kind of give us a little idea of what it's like to be an impersonator because that's different than being a cover band or original musician band. Impersonation is a completely different mindset. So kind of give us an idea what that's supposed to be like.
0: It's tough. Usually for me, my buddy, my good friend, his name is Sebastian. I was actually just talking to him on the phone before the show cuz He's my person. He, he does bodyguard. And he's also, I would have to say, like, I'm not good with money. So he manages things. But he's always the person I talk to before I go on interviews and different programs. I was on two programs in the UK. And I, you know he's one of those people that you talk those nerves because you're like, you know. But to impersonation is hard for me. Like, maybe an hour before the show is when I start slipping myself into the Elvis character because I don't want to be super arrogant either. And I've noticed with some of the other impersonators, they think they're the person they're portraying. And, and that's always been my goal not to be that person. So I try to slip into the character an hour before the show, just kind of get by myself for a little bit and get kind of like, okay, this is what we're going to do because it's, it's really, I don't want to say it's difficult, but it's weird to me that, you know, cause I'm Aaron all the rest of the time, but get into that mode and then go, okay, I'm going to be doing this show. You have to kind of zone it out. A lot of it for me, when I first started, I watched the movies. That so that's the way it is. I watched interviews. I watched uh, the famous Aloha from Hawaii he did in '73 with the eagle suit. There was a lot of mimicking and a lot of practicing it. But you also don't want to practice it too much because then you tend to look fake, like you're too into. You know, you're you're doing everything, and then the the audience doesn't buy that as much as if you put your own spin on the show as well.
1: From the limited knowledge that I know about, especially Elvis and impersonators, some impersonators select a certain decade or a certain part of Elvis's life instead of doing like this whole repertoire. Do you focus on a certain section or do you focus on the wide angle, everything?
0: I am. I'm really, really glad you brought that up because I, I'm, I'm probably I want to say 69 to 73 would be my hair. So the Vegas at the Hilton and International, Hilton and International, those years a lot of the on-tour stuff. So 69 to probably 73 would be where I focus on my set list and stage wear-wise would have to be a lot of the two-piece stuff because a lot of people think Elvis uh, was into the jumpsuits. Yes, he had jumpsuits quite often, but on occasion he would wear like a two-piece suit kind of like, I want to say like Harry Styles mixed with Bowie. He, he elvis it up, but he would wear a two-piece suit in Vegas a lot because a lot of the entertainers there were even in the seventies were two-piece suits. So the seventies is what I dig. I love the flamboyant, you know, that Liberace style with the rhinestones. And, you know, I I love that because I, I always say to myself, you know, when he said this he, when he's off stage, he likes stuff conservative, but when he's on stage, he always said he wants it as flashy as he can get it. So I, I like the flashiness. The band wears normal clothes that I'm with, but I, I wear the scarves and the ascots and the, the two-piece suits and yeah, I just I love that. So
1: you just said you have a band with you, so what's the instrumentation for the band?
0: We have a drummer. He's a good friend of mine, his name uh Alan Reeves, fantastic drummer. I have a bass guy and I have another guitar guy named Harold Carlson and my other guitar player is uh, Brett Radical. And it's it's just your typical three-piece band. It's a drummer and two guitar players and myself. Okay.
1: And what's on your set list? I mean, because a lot of people might not know what's 69 to 73, what songs Elvis was doing around that time.
0: Sure. I always come out with CC Rider with the 2001 Space Odyssey, that crescendo of that. And then I'll use Suspicious Minds, Burning Love, Kentucky Rain. A lot of those classics, and I mean, if someone requests something, I'll be like, "Hey, yeah, well, if we know if we know it, we'll do it." But a lot of the usually most of them are are upbeat songs, and we try to throw in a couple of, I don't know, say, you know, your typical, you know, slow, love me tender, that sort of gotcha. thing. Gotcha.
1: Do you ever venture outside of those '69 to '73? Maybe do nothing but a hound dog.
0: Absolutely. He did some of that in the '70s. He just sped it up. <laughs> he gave it a nice close as they, as they said. And I I think it's interesting because when I first started going to, there was a live band karaoke place in my town. And these, the, some of the people in my group actually are in different bands, obviously, you know, they play different bands. They're all over the place. Um, they played in a live band karaoke thing that I was doing with a bunch of other different people. And then uh, this Harold guy is like, hey, we should start something. So uh, we kind of COVID shut it down, but we kind of, we, we got a little bit rolling. And then obviously winter isn't popular for music. So yeah, they were doing some stuff at, at a couple of different open mic things and we would do our little Elvis thing and then they would, but COVID just shut down the music world. It just sucked because we were, we were starting to put something together on a professional end of, you know, the band getting my song my material down too. And they were practicing because my signature is Suspicious Minds, but everybody, you know, thinks of that studio version, that slow dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, that really slow. And in the show, we do a Vegas-style one. And in Vegas, when he played the Hilton, it was very fast. We're like dun 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 So it was up-tempo because he liked to do all those crazy moves. So they had to relearn some of those songs Vegas-style which wasn't hard, but they were trying to tweak it in, you know, in their basements or wherever to be like, okay, if he does this, we do this. Gotcha. Cool. Just by small movements on the stage, which I find impressive, especially that these, most of the guys in my band are in their forties and fifties, which I like that because they know their stuff. (laughs) You know, I find it impressive because it's one guy, Alan, man, I think he moved to, I forget where he moved to, but we still keep in contact because he moved. So he, he played with me, but he never got, we were, he was going to be in the band, but then he moved. So we still keep in touch, but he was probably the best dang drummer I have seen in my life. He could beat the heck out of those drums, man. And he would at the end of the show or the concert, or even the end of the song, he liked to show off with the, you know, with the drums at the end, like doing these crazy little drum solos. And some, a few times he would actually trick me. Cause I have, you know, Elvis would do his moves at the end of the song. So like, have the band stop or whatever. And sometimes he would keep going with this drum solo and I'd have to pretend to do like a karate kick or something. Cause I didn't know how long he was going to go on with this drum solo.
1: Cool. Very cool. <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> no, I'm serious. We were, we did burn in love one time. And you know, that part, love." burn in love. <laughs> he just kept going on. And I was like, I kept looking at him and he's got tinted glasses because of the stage lights. He needs his, his sunglasses. And uh, he kept going and he kept going and he kept going. And finally I just went back by the drums and like kind of looked at him and like gave him this look and <laughs> <laughs> he stopped. But at the end of the show that night, I said, I said, I don't know how many more karate moves I could have faked there to where the audience would be like, all right, he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> I didn't know where he was going with at all. <laughs> so, so that's the nice thing though. You know, they've never got it too bad to me. <laughs> Some of those nights where it's like, I, I don't really like to be like a jerk because he's experienced and he's, he knows what he's doing. So he's never thrown me off too bad, but it's that sort of thing that kind of puts me on the spot because he likes to test me in front of a live audience to see if I can, as he calls it, you always have a way of even if I goof you up to hold them in mm-hmm. the palm of your hand. No, you don't know. Cause I, I have that nerve of yeah. screwing up that kind of forces me to be
1: that way. Diamond Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin and is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio, recording and mixing services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. ZTF Studio brings success to your recording project. All right, back to the interview. Before COVID hit, can you kind of tell us about the local scene for you, like how it reacts to you? Let's talk about the positive stuff first.
0: Okay, sure. Yeah, before COVID hit, it was interesting because we were still trying to get stuff together. So I was kind of bouncing around locally in the Appleton area at these different open mic or live band karaoke things that my band would host, or some of the people in my band would host. I take that back. Some of the people will be like, Hey, we're doing this open mic. Can you open or can you do this to get people to kind of like come down and sing? And locally here, a lot of people know me. So it's it, a lot of the nightclubs and bars and, you know, pubs and stuff have that. It's usually one group that does the open mic, which there's guaranteed to be like at least one or two people from my band at that. So it's, I'd, I'd bounce to those or they'd email or text me and say, hey, we have a gig at so-and-so. Could you come down and do some stuff? Whatever. So it was good. I was surfing locally around the Appleton area. And then even before COVID in 2017, my ba- the the guys couldn't go with me. But I went down to Memphis for Elvis week down there. And that was amazing. It was just so phenomenal to be down there for that. But it was really hot. It was hot. And I was in all black. So hot, all black, silk shirt. It was, I, I mean, I always even sit to this day now when I see Harry Styles on TV, I go, he stole my style. <laughs> he stole my look. I was wearing the puffy sleeve or the high collared silk shirts with the bell sleeves first, <laughs> you know, but it was 88 degrees down there and I'm doing a song and I, I found out why Elvis wore scarves because you sweat a lot. But the crowd and the girls still react as if, you know, you're him. You're not. I mean, I had a girl, I want to say they were from somewhere in in London or Britain or something like that, and she came up on the stage, like up on the stage, and she was, like, trying to get my – now, I wear it over the suit like Elvis did. He wore this big gold attendance belt. She was trying to take the belt <laughs> off, man. <laughs> On the stage in Memphis. And I just remember, uh, I, I think I saw her husband after, because they dress kind of wild in the UK, but they dressed that way uh, when they came down to Memphis. She was in the leather. Skin. They were both in leather, but like they had, but it was just interesting because you could pick him out in the audience and he goes, sorry about my wife. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, I said, man, I said, if the belt wasn't a 24 karat gold exact replica, I wouldn't care if she took it. So things were good. I think, you know, if you're in a Memphis or a California or Las Vegas, then there's a more demand for it. But here in the Midwest, unless it's like a wedding or a, a special function, there's not a lot for the Elvis, you know, same with the Michael Jackson, the Whitney impersonators. There's, there's not a lot for it unless you can bring something special to the table.
1: Right. That goes for that goes for a lot of performers, though. It doesn't matter if it's impersonation or not.
0: It's difficult because I, myself, I've always wanted to not only have the younger generation, our generation appreciate that or have some sort of a value towards that, just like they do with folk music, you know, or, or as I say, the hipster movement with a lot of different, you know, bluegrass and that sort of thing. I I would like to see, you know, a a bigger appreciation from my generation or our generation for that rockabilly. I know rockabilly is a big thing, but I I would like to see people kind of seeing that it did take skill to make music before auto tune and, you know, like slap bass. I mean the sun studio stuff, you know, it's, It's incredible that people always go well. Elvis in the seventies is a fat guy in a white jumpsuit, all messed up, you know. Yeah, I know. You know, (laughs) And, and I think that that drives me insane because if you look at, if you really get into the material, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing, and he knew what he was capable of, and and I think his his problems got the best of yeah. him, but up until I want to say 75, 76, he was looking good. He was sounding good. I mean the Beatles yeah. met him. So um when I was in Memphis, I was fortunate enough to meet George oh, Klein. Cool. Who was one of his best friends. George yeah. Klein was one of his best friends. They went to high school together. He helped with security. He's since passed away, but I got to meet him. I got to meet the guy who wrote Suspicious Minds, Mark James. So it's it's incredible the people I meet but a lot of the older people and the people who are around with Elvis always ask me why Elvis you know you weren't born when he was here you're young you know that sort of thing so it's like they're surprised that I'm getting on stage and portraying this man
1: if there's an audience for it there's someone out there that enjoys like you do going out there and just performing as Elvis, then there should be nothing stopping you from doing that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been kind of stubborn growing up. I always wanted to, I guess, perfect it, and I'm a bit of a perfectionist on stage, so I'm the type of person who will look at the guys on stage if they mess up something, and sometimes I'm like, hey, you know, and and in the beginning, they took it as disrespect, because here's this young guy telling him how, but now, they laugh it off and they go, no, he really does know what he's doing. He's not being... But I play off of it, you know, I don't think I'll be, I don't think I'll be able to kiss the girls and give them scarves anymore. (laughs) You know?
1: Yeah. Like we were talking about earlier, there's going to be a new normal after COVID's under control. I think at
0: least for a while, I wonder what the music industry and what live music and festivals is going to be like for, for artists and entertainers when it comes to, you know, getting, getting in tune and getting close to their fans. And, and people will come and see us. I wonder what that's going to be like. Because as a musician, that's probably the most important thing, doing a live concert, is getting close to, to your fans.
1: Well, we had a pandemic breakout 100 years ago, and things got to the point where it was shoulder to shoulder and doing what we called normal. So maybe that will happen again. So right. who, who knows?
0: Oh, God, I hope so. I feel like I'm going to be in my 60s and 70s going, I remember when. Oh, man. <laughs>
1: Do you want to talk about how Asperger's affects you on stage?
0: Sure. Absolutely. Again, I'm a big advocate for that, too. For me, I've always been like, if somebody can take away something positive from someone else, you know, that's what I'm about. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: So why don't you kind of tell us, for people out there that don't really know about it or have never really interacted with people that have Asperger's or autism, kind of give them an idea what, obviously, there's a wide spectrum there is, there is. Maybe come from your personal experience with it. Probably the best way to explain it.
0: Sure. I mean, I, I was diagnosed with Asperger's and autism when I was very, well, a young, very young, younger. Um, and, and that was in the early 2000s when there wasn't a lot of advocacy for it like there is now. So I'd have to say as a performer, Most people think people with Asperger's and autism are shy, you know, they need to wear headphones, they need to be in a room by themselves or whatever, complete opposite, high functioning, I love to be on stage. That's like, I want to say, that's what drives me is, is the attention, not only from the crowd, but being on stage. But the secondary, I think, struggle, if you will, would be that social awkwardness at times, because at times, you know, in certain situations I'm, I'm socially awkward. So it's like, Oh, I, I do more listening than I do talking because, you know, sometimes it's like, Oh, what should I say here? Yeah. You know, cause when you have, have that, it's like if you're fixating on something and it's not about the topic of conversation, it makes you look a little awkward. So it's better to, to listen than say something. Cause you could say something and they'd be like, where'd that come from? You know, sort of thing. I mean, so I would have to say the social awkwardness, however, in public or when I'm out in a city we're in, or if we're just going to the bars, I find it easier. But at the same time, the trust is hard for me because I have a small group of friends. So I have to have those people around me to kind of feel comfortable with with things. And that would have to be difficult because in some situations even musically I don't feel always you know great being put into a new situation like if I had to go give a presentation on stage I'd be like what dead air because I found with the Elvis thing for me it's an act so I can put that act on and not be Aaron Smith on stage I can you know do my I'm Elvis I'm not which helps but at the same time when i'm hanging out with my friends or if i'm back at my apartment or we're doing something with, like whether it's playing video games uh, my buddy sebastian the uh, one who travels with me a lot and, and who's kind of i would have to say like i said he's always traveling with me and he's with me video games like any other 20 something year old would do that's easy it's cool when we're you know in the hotel room or whatever but like he loves his video games he's a gamer so, and I'm not really a gamer. I could sit and play my PlayStation and have fun, but I don't need to play it all the time like some other people. So it's like, I'm more into the music. So some, some hobbies that normal kids our age enjoy, I enjoy. But for me, it's like, I'm not always interested in what most, uh, younger youth or right, teenagers, right, right. young adults are interested in. So it's a, I would have to say it's a battle because you know uh, at an early age is is it's for people with asperger's that's really the turning point if you can get therapy and you can get them you know kind of on the right track to be a functioning member of society at a young age that's that's that turning point of them either being functioning or i don't want to say non functioning but like almost having those challenges pop up even worse later in life especially when it comes to independent living and that sort of thing so that, that for me was, was, I was glad my parents were so proactive and, and so, uh, you know, taking me to different psychiatrists and whatnot and trying to get me, uh, to a normal life to, to, to be functioning, but also have some sort of a normal day-to-day life. So I wouldn't be stuck in a box. So that I'm thankful for that because, you know, I always say that anyone can do anything they put their mind to, but you know, it's just a shame that this world, likes to put individuals in, in yeah. these boxes. I mean, that, for me, was probably the hardest thing growing up with this was, was those boxes, those limitations, and that what's supposed to be normal, right? Like you get the people who are like, well, that's not something that a 16-year-old would be into. <laughs> you know? But my parents were really good about that. My sister, uh, she's a teacher. She has two beautiful kids. And well, stepsister technically, but anyway, she's a teacher and she is just wonderful. And she taught me a lot when it came to growing up uh reading math, that sort of thing, because I wasn't the type that would read it unless it triggered or interest me. So I would read, but I wouldn't read. So so my sister, you know, Melanie, she would be like, Hey, can we get him books with this subject? So he reads them. And that helped a lot. Audio books helped immensely because I wasn't much of a reader but it helped me remember the material for someone with autism the reading you get sidetracked it's interesting because it's it, it I, I don't want to say it was as bad as as you know oh my god it was just so terrible I got bullied yes I got harassed yes I got beat up yes but I mean I, I look at that and go everybody goes through life differently and I feel like I was so grateful that it made me look at people and go, you know, cause you get some entertainers and some people who are like just so stuck up and like, Oh, I won't sign an autograph or I won't take a, it made me really, even in, even in the impersonator world, it made me really think to myself, no one is ever beneath right. me type of thing. Like I will go out of my way to get a picture or sign something or. No, you don't have to pay for it. It, it made me grateful for that, for to 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 be like, there's got to be, you know, someone out there like me that maybe that could yeah. brighten their day. So if if that brightens their day and it takes me five, 10 minutes out of my day and makes me maybe 12 minutes late, that's fine.
1: Towards the future here, where do you see yourself for the next five to 10 years?
0: Oh, gosh, I really I've been wanting to try to record some music, Elvis music, of course. Um, but I see myself if I'll go if COVID gets under control, I would love to be going back to the Elvis festivals. I would love to be going back to Memphis. I, I was going to go out to Las Vegas for my birthday, but then COVID. So I would like to see myself traveling and I would like to record some some Elvis material and, and or maybe some of my own material. Because uh, my uncle is a bluegrass writer, uh, very famous, famous bluegrass writer. He's written for a lot of different artists, oh, uh, um, country artists. A lot of different artists have recorded his his music as well. Um, and I would like to see myself kind of bonding with him a little bit and get getting to learn some of the tricks of the songwriting trade because it's a whole different world, like you said, than them impersonating or, or covering an artist. So I would like at least write one or two songs about my you know life experiences and get together with him in the studio and do that because my family and him and a lot of people who know me have always said you have a great story to tell if you could just write it down i said writing it down isn't the problem making it rhyme is the problem (laughs) well not every song rhymes though (laughs) you know the wastebasket is full in an hour so like i would love to get on the road again and get back out there doing my Elvis tribute with the guys. I haven't even seen my band members in over, I want to say a year or two. Oh, wow. You know, the last vacation I took was in February of last year. And that was out in uh, me and my uh, buddy, Sebastian. We went out to Virginia and Washington. And then the world kind of shut down after that. So I would love to be back on stage. And I think all entertainers would say the same thing, but I would love to be on stage. And I would also love to uh, collaborate with some other some other artists out there you know my musical inspirations we talk about inspirations earlier um, would have to be elvis presley of course first and foremost yeah watch I can't talk i haven't practiced these things in a while and I, I i promise you i haven't had anything to drink yet <laughs> <laughs> um no it would be elvis it would be mary wilson who growing up I used and that's the thing. I've never limited myself to a male artist. I would pretend I was Mary Wilson in front of the TV, you know, dancing to the Supremes and that sort of thing. So her um would have to be Harry Styles, of course, since he's went solo. I resignate and I can definitely with his kind of Bowie, Elvis, yeah, Liberace type, you know, suits and that stage appearance. I'd have to say he's been a big one, and and someday. I really would. I had a friend of mine say this too. He, because Harry Styles, he did an interview and he said he has a friend in Appleton, Wisconsin. So <laughs> I thought that was cool. That's cool. And, and my, one of my buddies was like, because I live in Appleton, one of my buddies is like, I would love to record a convert, a bottle of wine on a porch on the Fox River and a camera and record you 2 just talk. He goes, I think that would be amazing, especially with the Elvis thing yeah. and his Bowie Jr. thing. He goes, that would be some good footage. He goes, that would make for an interesting. And I said, that would be cool. I would love to, to sit with him and just talk about music. Cause I feel like it would broaden both audiences. He has a lot of young girls, younger audience following him. So, and I feel like 95% of that audience doesn't know where he gets his inspiration. Cause they're so young. Yeah. You know? They don't know. They don't know Elvis, but I would like to see myself back on stage. I really would like to see myself also, you know, seeing some of my bodies at the Elvis festivals. They have the one in Memphis and the Las just something, something with a live audience. And I'd love to get back on tour and on the road when, and meet with the other Elvis Elvis tribute artists and the other brothers because
1: yeah.
0: in the isolation, and I'm sure uh, you as well, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, but you know, it it, 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 it's not bad but it makes you especially if you're extroverted like i am you really miss that connection with the audience and with your fans and being on stage you know i mean i've had some of my band members go well let's come over and do a jam session okay great but like that's still not the the live experience of that energy you get in, in the crowd you know, it's a give and take thing. They give you that energy. So I would love to be back on the road. I'd have to be going to the gym first because my costumes that are designed specifically for me are replicas, but they don't have a lot of give. They have those built-in waist adjusters, but they don't have a lot of, so I'd have to definitely hit the gym, but I'd love to, I'd love to just spread the love around this world because I feel like this world needs more love. Love is no good all by itself. No. We need love. And I think that music does a lot of that. The music without music. I say, I always said without music, our world would be great. Yeah. So yeah, um I agree. I, 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 we need music. We need love. We need music. And, and I would love to get out there to spread that love and that joy and that inspiration to, to other young artists and other, other fans and, and people because music is 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 the best medicine man i'll tell you
1: i i totally agree i totally agree
0: you know i have had so many good times even at like folk festivals i've had so many good times with just sitting in the back of a van with these guys with different people depending on where you're at and just talking music till the sun goes down so we need, to get, we need to figure that out. But we also need to think of the safety of our fans and the public as well. So we need to do this safely. We can't rush into it. But I really hope to get back out there. I agree.
1: Well, Aaron, that's all the questions I have for you. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we end this conversation?
0: Uh, no, no. I guess I would like to say thank you so much for having me on the program, especially as somebody from Wisconsin. <laughs> it's, it's really good to kind of give like, I guess some publicity to, to homegrown, you know, especially with your program. It's really nice, uh, especially reaching out to your program to to have some homegrown talent and to, to talk on a podcast that's based Wisconsin. So I, I really, I love your program too, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. you know, we need to have, I think in the, especially in the entertainment world, I wish there was more advocacy for Wisconsin music. You know, there's a lot of different podcasts out there for music, but uh, it's good to have a platform for artists yeah. in Wisconsin because there's a lot of great music here. Yes, there is. You know, my uncle, the one that's big in bluegrass, he was born and ra- he raised here. So um, he's out in Florida now, though. <laughs> he sends me pictures, and I go, "Oh, that's nice. <laughs> it's snowing here." Yeah. You know, he'll send me pictures of him and his guitar going, just writing music, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Yep, eighty degrees <laughs> there in Florida." I mean, there it is. But yeah, no, I think that, that music, you know, it heals. And I think we need a lot of healing right now. So
1: I agree. Mental
0: health is important. Always has been to me as well. So I think, you know, people need to not only musicians, but I think we all need to take time to focus on our mental health and we need to take time to, you know, focus on our, our inner selves and, and just always, you know, lend that helping hand when you can, you know, never turn a blind eye to hate and, 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 always keep a smile and and lend that helping hand because you know you never know when you're gonna need it right so, right exactly so that's always been my stance on um, on things and I just really appreciate coming on the uh you having me on the program and um I look forward to speaking with you again in the future
1: same here I thank you so much for being on the show much appreciated
0: I'm honored really it was it was a blast and I look forward to coming on again in the future and I appreciate you having me it was wonderful.
1: And there was a great interview with Aaron Smith. Wisconsin Music Podcast is always open to new guests being on the podcast. Just fill out the guest request form on our website, wisconsinmusicpodcast.com. I'd like to thank Nate Wyckoff for creating the music for the Wisconsin Music Podcast and to... Dean Bundy for our great voiceover in the beginning and intro. Thanks to Jacob at CW Hip Hop for syndicating our podcast every Monday at 4 p.m. at CWHipHop.com. Also, ZTF Studio, recording and mixing services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin, doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. Have a great week. Yeah i